0: Uh, The sermon title for today is actually the same title that we had last week. If you recall, the title of our sermon series is called, I Spy With My Little Eye. Yeah, I see the smiles of the kids looking up right now. Their eyes are brightening up, right? That's what we spoke about last week. I spy with my little eye. And if you recall last week, just a quick review, we looked at the story of Saul in Acts chapter 9 when he was converted. Do you remember that story? Uh, Just a quick review, Saul was breathing hate. That's what we saw in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, that he was breathing hate towards the early Christians. And if anything, Saul was passionate about finding where the Christians would hide, and then he would bring bring them out, take them, he would arrest them, he would then uh, bring them to trial, and sometimes they would be executed. And uh, last week as we were looking at his story his story came about he came into the picture at the stoning of Stephen he authorized the stoning of Stephen so Saul was this man who had so much hate in his heart until one day on the road to Damascus to look for more Christians he had an experience with Jesus a bright light shone in heaven it surrounded him it knocked him down to the ground he said i spy with my little eye a bright light no way that he could ignore that and he was knocked to the ground and then he saw jesus and jesus said saul saul why do you persecute me and then saul became blind he became blind for three days we ended with his story in Uh, verse 19 but today we're gonna pick up the in between story that's found in Acts chapter 9 verse 10 and then we'll go back to all the way through verse 19 but we're gonna start today in verse 10 we're gonna leave off where Saul has been blinded by this light Now, if you recall from the sermon last week, I said we were going to explore this story in four different perspectives. Saul's perspective, Ananias' perspective, God's perspective, and then Barnabas' perspective, which we're going to do that in two weeks from now. Last week, we focused on sight. That's why the title is, I Spy With My Little Eye. Because sight was important last week for Saul to believe in Jesus because seeing is believing today we're gonna talk about two different senses we're gonna look at two other senses not sight so much today but today we're gonna talk about the sight of hearing and touch the sense of touch and the sense of hearing those two are just as important as sight is to our faith our hearing and our touch. If seeing is believing, then this is what I have learned as I researched and and came up with the sermon. When I was inspired to come up with the sermon, I learned that if seeing is believing, then hearing is following and touch is healing. Let me say that again. Seeing is believing, hearing is following touch is healing and we're gonna see this unfold in the story of Ananias even more as we look into this story So let's go ahead and uh, jump into verse 10. Acts chapter 9 verse 10. And this is where Ananias comes into the picture. Uh, Saul has been blinded uh, by the light. He's blind at this moment. And in verse 10 it tells us, In Damascus there there was a disciple named Ananias. Now who is this Ananias? He's not mentioned much in the Bible. I know for a fact that in the context of this verse that we just read alone, it tells us that he lives in Damascus, north of Jerusalem, if you remember that. He's also a disciple. I believe he's a devout disciple. I also know he's Jewish because Ananias was a very popular Jewish name. Kind of like some of the names that we have today that are very common or very popular, I would say. Like my father in law, his name is Bob. Uh, how many Bobs can you say you know, right? Or Mike. Michael is a popular name. Uh, I've not met that many Edre's. I've only met one other Edre, and that was at Southwestern Adventist University. Uh, he was a good guy. He was a good guy. I liked Edre. And his sister's name was Audrey, or is Audrey. So, I know Ananias is Jewish because his name is Jewish. Now, don't get this man confused from Acts chapter 5, we have Ananias and Sapphira. If you recall, Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 had lots of property. And when they were moved and touched by the apostles' teaching of the Gospels, they decided to sell all their property, and they promised to give all the proceeds to to Peter and to the rest of the apostles so people can be blessed by these proceeds. However, they lied. They kept some of the proceeds for themselves. And that was their sin. Now, I know that's not the same Ananias here, because that Ananias died, exactly. Thank you, Jim, he passed, because of his sins, right? He, he died. So this Ananias is a complete different Ananias. I believe, uh, according to our commentaries, I believe our commentaries are correct that this Ananias must have been an older man, that he was devout because of the teachings of the Gospels, he was very convicted by the Gospels. The reason why commentaries believe he's an older man is because look at how he responds when he's called by God. Let's continue to read here. It says, In Damascus, there was a the disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. God called him by name. Ananias, hearing this, remember that sense hearing, when Ananias heard this, he responded, Yes, Lord. Commentaries point out that someone that is mature in the faith, someone who knows God's voice, responds like so. Unlike, if we were to compare him to Samuel, for example. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, when Samuel was still a boy, under the watch of Eli the priest, Samuel heard God's voice. Samuel! Here I am, right? But Samuel thought it was Eli calling him. And a couple of times he ran into Eli's room and he said, Okay, Eli, I'm here. Uh, I didn't call you. (laughs) Finally, Eli realized it's God calling Samuel. And so he informed Samuel to tell him, God's the one that's calling you. See, that's someone who was still learning God's voice, because he was still young in the faith. He was still a boy, but this Ananias here, this man, he's responding as if he already knows God. The question that I have to ask you, the question I have to ask myself, would we know how God's voice sounds like if God were to call us today? how would we respond? Would we even recognize His voice? Do you spend enough time in Scripture? Do you spend enough time in prayer? Do you spend enough time with God that if God called you this second, you knew it was Him? That's Ananias. No hesitation in his response. He responds right away. As soon as he hears Jesus, as soon as he hears God calling him, he says, Yes, Lord! As in, yes, Lord, I'm here. I'm here waiting for your call. I'm here waiting for your instruction. What is it that you would like me to do? Yes, Lord. He's available. He's available. I'm going to pause a second in that part of the text in verse 10 when it, when it says, "The Lord called to him in a vision. How does he call Ananias? He calls him by name. The one thing I want us to focus on for the next few seconds here is that God, when he calls someone, he calls you by name. It's not by happen chance, it's not by mistake, it's not by just some whim, it's Him intentionally calling you by name. That means you're special. I like to think of it this way, when God calls someone, remember the acronym SIS, S-I-S, kind of like what you say for sister, but without the T-E-R, remember SIS. What I like to think of is when God calls someone, it's specific. Specific to you. Specific to who you are. Specifically, your name is the one that's being called out by God. That's what we see here. He's calling Ananias out by his name. And then the next part uh, so, S, the first S is specific, then I is intentionality. There is intentionality by God calling you. For a reason, for a purpose, intentionality. It's not like when God needed an ark to be built. He didn't say, is there anyone out there who, there's a bit out here right now, who wants to build the ark for me? It wouldn't make sense. No, Noah, who is all of right, Jonathan, he found Noah. Noah responded because he went to Noah, directly calling Noah by name. It's not like he called out uh, in the wilderness and said, Who can save my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt? He didn't do that, uh, just yelling out an invitation to, to anyone to respond to. If anything, he specifically chose Moses. Moses, Exodus chapter 3 verse 10, he says, Moses, I am sending you to free my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So, God is very um, specific, intentional, and then the uh, second S is that it's special. Your calling is special. Not only special for you, but also special for the people that are going to be blessed by your response to that calling. Also special because in the great grand picture, uh, the great big picture of everything, in regard to the plan of salvation, your story is also special. So I'm emphasizing this right now because I believe as God calls you and me to be a church for Castle Rock, He's calling us individually and He's calling us collectively. By name, by name. All that from just a few verses. All that because it's so significant for us to understand the calling of Ananias. Ananias calls the Lord. And Ananias answers. He says, Yes, Lord. He's ready to listen. He wants to receive the invitation. He wants to know what God wants to tell him. So in verse 11, the Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. If you look at this part where it's describing Saul, this is such a different picture of what we had from last week, right? Saul of last week, when we were looking at his story, was he was breathing hate, as I mentioned just a few seconds ago. He was breathing hate so much that he was persecuting Christians. He was active about it. He was passionate about it. He was going from one house to another house. But in this situation, Paul is not moving anywhere. Paul has been humbled to his knees. Paul is in this room... Blind, what's he doing? He's praying. What should you do when you have a challenge in life? We should pray, like Saul. So God tells Ananias, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias, which that's the one that God is calling here at this moment. He has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. So now Ananias' mission has been made clear by God. Here's what you are to do. You're going to bring healing to this man who has been blind for three days. You're going to bless him. You're going to let him know that God is pleased with him. That sounds like good news. However, after hearing this from God, since we're talking about the sense of hearing, after hearing this from God, how does Ananias respond? He says in verse 13, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on you by name what was Ananias's response to God you want me to go to Saul Lord I'm hesitant in doing that do you have the right man this same man who persecutes your followers, this same man who killed Stephen, this same man that I have heard reports about, this is the one you want me to lay hands on in order to heal. I think you have it wrong, God. Have you ever been in that situation before? Where you are trying to change your life around Maybe it's because you've done some wrong in the past and people just don't want to give you that chance because they heard about you. Whether you've already changed and you're making that change or or you're, you're willing to uh, go on the straight and narrow at this point and you're wanting to go on the straight and narrow, however, your past reputation just seems to hold you back. That's what's happening to Saul. You've heard of you've heard of that saying, your reputation precedes you. Your reputation precedes you. It's like if you were going to uh, you're interested in a new job and you apply and right after you apply for this work, what does the employer do? They call your references. They look at your resume to see your experience in your education. Then they also uh, not only look at your references and education, but then they also do a criminal background check they also do depending on the job they might even do a credit check just to see if you are who you say you are just to see if you are trustworthy just to see if you have the experiences for this job your reputation precedes you your reputation is the one that really helps the employer determine whether yeah i think i want bobby for this job i think i do want jose for this job or no edre is not right for this job your reputation i had a professor who used to tell us uh, uh, the students that your reputation is like your credit score in proverbs it tells us that there is nothing greater than uh, uh nothing can compare to I'm sorry, nothing can compare, no gold and silver can compare to a good name, uh, you. your reputation. Uh, you. If it's not the workplace that's looking at your character, then it's maybe your future father-in-law or mother-in-law or someone that you want, you want to date this young lady. In the case of when I was interested in Bobby, I, uh, I was so interested in her that, that she said, you need to meet my parents. So I came to Colorado from Texas. I went here to Colorado to meet my future in-laws. At that time, we were just dating, so you know, I was hoping I'd marry her, but I didn't know how Bobby felt about me. And then after I met her parents, I thought maybe I messed it up, but it seems like they liked me. In all that time, they would ask questions about who I am, what am I going to school for, what's my parents like, what's my family like, They want to know if their daughter is going to be in good hands with me. So, when we read this part where Ananias in verse 13 is hesitant to place hands on Saul, I believe it's a warranted concern. I believe it's proper to have this kind of concern. I don't see this as Ananias going against the Lord. If anything, I see this as Ananias being concerned for other people. For example, if you were to look at other stories in the Bible, who was who were hesitant in doing what the Lord has asked, it was sometimes because of their own safety and welfare. Let's use Moses as an example once again. When God called Moses to say, uh, to, to tell him, go and rescue the Israelites out of, the, uh, uh, out of Pharaoh's grasp. What did Moses say? He says, no, Lord, I can't do it. For who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and rescue your people? Who am I? If you recall Moses' story, he was a wanted man in Egypt. People wanted him dead because he murdered an Egyptian man. So Moses had fear of going back, going back to Egypt for that reason. So his fear or his hesitance in doing the Lord's work was not about the concern of others, but what? The concern for himself. Selfish in that respect. But if you read Ananias' response to God, he let me read it again. He says, Lord, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Ananias' concern is about the saints in Jerusalem. Jerusalem in Damascus about the followers of Jesus Christ that's where his concern is are you sure God that you want me to help heal this man even though Ananias hesitance we can understand that you and I can understand that even though it was for a good purpose His, I guess we can say, his reports, because Ananias said, I have heard many reports, his report was outdated. His report about Saul was outdated. Little did he know, little did Ananias know that on his route to Damascus, on his route to Damascus, Saul had that out of this world experience with Jesus. Little did Ananias know, that Saul became converted in his conviction of who Jesus is now. So Ananias' report was outdated. So God's response in verse 15, God said to Ananias, go this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the gentiles and their kings and before the people of israel i will show him how much he has to suffer for my name isn't that a beautiful thing about god the god we serve always has the up-to-date news about you and me Even before we realize something about ourselves, guess what? God already knows that about you. And I think that's why God was commanding Ananias to go and place in your hands and heal this man, Saul. He didn't directly respond to Ananias' concern. The only thing the Lord said was he gave a second time the command, go, go. If you were to parse this word, it's in the second person, meaning who's going to go? You're going to go. Second person, you, you go. It's it's imperative it's not a dec- uh, dec- um, what's the type of sentence I'm thinking of declaration it's not a declarative sentence it's not a sentence of question but it's a sentence of exclamation and imperative it's imperative that you go Ananias so that this man Saul can become the instrument to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles let's pause here for a second we have established that Ananias has been in the faith for some years and if we look at this story in context Acts chapter 9 is before 10 because that's how numbers are but in Acts chapter 10 do you remember what happened in Acts chapter 10? I preached on this uh, story a few weeks ago. It's the calling of Peter and Cornelius. Peter, in that story, we're just gonna rehash it just briefly here, was against in preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, right? But when he receives that vision of that blanket with all the different animals, to not call anything that God has made clean or unclean. Then Peter had an understanding, a new theology that he needs to share the gospel to the Gentiles as well. And that's why Peter went to Cornelius, which is, which was a Gentile man. That happens after Saul's conversion. Why is that significant? Well, because God already hinted to Ananias his plan he says go this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles so the very first person that heard the plan of God the plan of the gospel going to the Gentiles is who it's Ananias it's Ananias I wonder how Ananias must have heard that, how he must have felt. What the Bible does not tell us is how he responded to that. If anything, he doesn't respond to that comment that Saul is going to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. If anything, the way Ananias responds is he goes ahead, follows the command of God, and goes to Judas's house on Straight Street to meet with Saul brothers and sisters can we hear God if God were to call us and if we were to hear God as what I mentioned earlier seeing is believing hearing is what hearing is following if we were to hear God would we be willing to follow individually collectively as a church If you think about it in scripture, think of some of your favorite stories where God or Jesus calls people. Calls them for a special task. What happens when they're called? A lot of them follow. A lot of those stories, you have people following Jesus. There's only a few stories that I I can remember where someone is called and they don't follow God. One of those examples is another man by the name of Saul. Not Saul here in Acts chapter 9, but Saul in 1 Samuel when he was called to be the first king of Israel. And he didn't follow God's statutes and he became law. So there's few people, but if you were to think about it, a lot of the people that are called by God, they follow. Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and the list goes on. Jesus, when Jesus first met the disciples, what did he say? He said, "He said, come and follow me, and I shall make you what? Fishers. fishers of men. And what did they do when they heard Jesus call, uh, call on them? They listened, and they followed. And they became fishers of men. That's what Ananias, and thank God, that's what Ananias does. In verse 17, Ananias though he was hesitant at first but God persuaded him Ananias finally goes to the house and it and he enters it verse 17 continues to tell us that placing his hands on Saul he said brother Saul the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with what The Holy Spirit. So that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe that Ananias wanted to affirm Saul's conversion experience. By telling Saul that I am the one that you saw in your vision. uh, The Jesus who appeared to you on the road as well. He's affirming what... Saul saw in order to strengthen Saul's faith even more. So now here you have another sense coming into the picture. We've been listening and hearing the sense of hearing, but now we have the sense of touch. Placing his hands on Saul. If we want to have an experience like no other with you and me, the sense of touch is so important for human growth. They say that babies who are not carried by their mother or father and cared for are babies that grow to be distant people, distant. Uh, with from emotions distant from empathy towards other people's needs if you think about human touch and you think about it in scripture especially what happens when touch takes place there's healing When the woman who was bleeding for 12 years finally ran out of resources and she didn't know where else to go, she told herself when she heard Jesus was walking by in Mark chapter 5, she says, if I can only touch his cloak, I will be what? I'll be healed. When Jesus takes Uh, dirt and spits in it and puts it together to make mud and then he puts it in, in the eyes of a blind man. What happens? That blind man was healed. He could see again. When there's touch in the Bible, there's healing. There's people coming together intimately, respectfully, lovingly. So we cannot Ignore that part of how significant touch is. So placing his hands on Saul... He touched his eyes, and then in verse 18 it says, Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. When Ananias touched Saul, there was healing. Now what kind of healing? Oh, this kind of healing was a whole person kind of healing. An overwhelming healing of the entire body of uh, of Saul. Mind, body, and spirit. Here's what I mean. Look at this. When Ananias touched Saul, what's the first healing that took place? It tells us that he, he became filled. Saul became filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the first healing that takes place for Saul. And then after, um, the scales fell from Saul's eyes, it tells us that he could see again. So that's physical healing. Number two. And then the third one is that he got up, Saul got up and became and decided to become baptized. He was baptized. So what does that mean? Well, baptism means that you have you have had a change in your mind. You have had a change in your philosophy and theology. You've had a change in how you see life. That's the mind. What does 2 Corinthians 5:17 tell us that anyone who is in Christ has become a new creation, right? The old has gone, the new has come. This is a new man that we are seeing in Saul. All because of what Ananias decided to do. What did he decide to do? He decided to heed the call from God. He heard and listened and he followed in order to touch Saul. And in touching Saul, Saul was healed. Completely healed of the darkness that was in his heart. That's a brand new man that we see the last point i want to make is ananias himself his story we only find it in this part of the bible we don't see his name before acts chapter 9 nor do we see it after acts chapter 9 in this small amount of verses in one of the Chapters in the Bible, of many chapters in the Bible, we see Ananias' story. Some might ask the question, sometime in your life, you've maybe wondered, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough for the Lord's work? Am I doing enough for my family? Am I doing enough for my community? If we look at Ananias' story... All we need sometimes is just that small portion from our life. It doesn't have to be mentioned in all the different other places of our life, but that one moment that we decide to listen to God's call may make a great impact in the great picture of life. What do I mean by this? What would have happened had Ananias... Not heeded that call. What would have happened had Ananias decided not to go to Judas's house in order to heal Saul? That means then, Saul would have not converted to Paul. And then as Paul, he would have not preached the gospel to all the Gentiles in that surrounding area. We wouldn't have a church, let me say this again. We wouldn't have a church if it wasn't for this man, Ananias, in a small portion of Scripture. Which means then, don't you fret. Don't you fret and wonder, am I doing enough? If God calls you, do what God has called you for and do it well. And that one thing, though it may seem little for you, can, be, can have the greatest impact for that person's life, for that community, for that situation. Just that one thing. But you have to listen. You have to hear God's voice and then take the steps to listen, to follow, to act, and to make contact with another person. So, my last question for you is this, who are you in this story? Are you Saul, the one who has a spiritual struggle at this moment in your life? You're wondering who or what am I to follow? Are you Saul where you are experiencing a physical challenge? Maybe it's not blindness. Maybe it's some other form of sickness. Maybe it's solitude and loneliness. Are you Saul? Or in this story, Though I have not talked about them much, but they do deserve some attention are Saul's companions that were traveling with him. Maybe you are the person that sees another person that is having a hard time and needs your help to pick them up. Just like Saul's companions took, took Saul into the city of Damascus, maybe you're the one that can pick up someone's spirits. And take them to their destination or maybe you're not Saul or the companions of Saul. maybe you're Ananias who has been called to give a blessing to give some type of healing to give some love to a person that needs it who are you in this story we're someone in this story we are and the beauty of life is sometimes we cha- we exchange those places. Sometimes we are Saul, sometimes we're Ananias, sometimes we're the companions. Whatever the case, we have a better understanding of our role if God and the Holy Spirit were involved in it. So I spy I spy with my little eyes something grand. I spy with my little eye something beautiful I spy with my little eye a man walking out of his house to go into the house of Judas I spy with my little eye a man placing his hands on a suffering blind man I spy with my little eye God's wonderful works Not just bringing someone's vision back, but most of all, bringing someone's heart around to godly things. I spy with my little eye great things for you. I spy with my little eye great things for the town of Castle Rock.